0: might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next coach will be hired. Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best place in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play in your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. Today is Monday, February 21st. It is President's Day. Hope that you're having a uh, good day off, if you are indeed off today, and enjoying time with uh, family and friends. This is episode eight of season four. And today we are talking about the booming sports real estate market. Uh, This is something that um, uh, a lot of teams, franchises around the world, are really getting into, and really for some time have been getting into uh, real estate development uh, beyond the field, and we'll kind of go through a little bit of that, some history on that, and uh, and sort of where it is now, and 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 where it's likely to be headed. But uh, it's it it, it really uh, it, it's developed um, you know a lot from from what it used to be. It used to be that uh, back in the day you you might have a multi-purpose stadium where you might have football and soccer and uh, baseball, you know, played in the same, the same field. And, uh, and you weren't always using the best materials or maybe you were uh, the best, you know, field and you might have um, some sort of synthetic turf or something that was not natural. Right. But I think a lot of that has changed and now we're getting into this whole idea of sustainability and what that looks like and, uh, and really creating entertainment districts and, and, and these are really good things when it comes to uh, overall what uh, teams should be looking to do. Uh, there was a, an article that, uh, that I wrote a while back talking about like the four tenants of running a successful sports franchise. And, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but you know the four tenants are really a great venue, a lease, or really outright ownership over the, the property or the land or what have you market and personnel. And, uh, obviously different, uh, you can give different weights to each of those. You can make the argument, maybe personnel is the most important. You know, you can't, uh, be a successful franchise without great personnel, both in the front office, uh, you know, with the team, either as an athlete or as an employee or what have you, in terms of, uh, employees that are there, uh, you know, uh, helping out with ticket, uh, ticket day sales and things like this, everybody from, from maintenance, you know, all the way up to the front office and including the players and the coaches. But uh, I think all four are important. So we're going to kind of uh, go through a little bit uh, here and, and uh, sort of look at the current market and what's going on with sports real estate. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on the entertainment real estate, a lot of the production uh, that's going on there in terms of uh, a lot of streamers and studios are looking into um, and have been purchasing property and studio uh, space really around the world, especially as uh, streaming becomes more international, and you know you can potentially have access to the same content globally. Uh, and as sort of as content becomes more localized, and you can have you know let's say Indian content, you can have African content, you can have individual um, sort of uh, cultural and and Societal sort of content that can be shared. And uh, I think streaming platforms sort of allow for that. And of course, uh, whether it be for tax purposes or just to have local, uh, there's even local laws now where you've got Canada looking at uh, potentially having um, a certain amount of content that has to be Canadian based or Canadian focused in terms of culture. Uh, China has a similar rule, other countries do similar things. Uh, I think part of it is to make sure that the people uh, in those individual countries get content that um, is specific to them. But it's also in the sense of, um, you know, potentially for taxes and potentially for, um, you know, having a little bit more control over the content. But uh, that being said, a lot of studios are being built overseas in Germany and India. Um, And obviously there's been a a large connection uh, in the UK for quite some time. Uh, Many studios uh, have um, production houses over there, studio lots, this sort of thing. So it is an interesting time, uh, to say the least, when it comes to uh, real estate development in sports. and, And sort of some of the things that we've come across is, I think... You know, ultimately, there's there's been a uh, sort of a, a call for renewed stadiums. If you look back to, let's say, Camden Yards in Baltimore, uh, this was that was sort of like the first new baseball stadium that was retro, and you kind of had this old look with the old brick building and the in the um, you know behind the right field wall and the alleyway that's there, and sort of having the vendors outside the stadium or within the stadium but outside the walls of the field, if you will. And um, sort of building these entertainment districts, I would say that uh, Camden Yards really kind of changed a lot of that using the downtown sort of space that had um, really fallen on bad times. And uh, through the 70s and 80s, if you will, and then things began to really pick up in the 90s and the 2000s. But uh, now, of course, you've got stadiums all across the country doing that specifically in baseball and football and basketball. And. And now there's somewhat been of a resurgence in terms of getting out of downtown because property might be a little bit cheaper. So this is something the Atlanta Braves had done in building their truest park um, on the outskirts of uh, downtown Atlanta. It's about 20 minutes outside, beautiful facility uh, and a lot going on there. And people seem to to enjoy that. So uh, that's sort of a, a little bit of the history on it. Um, you know, and obviously you go back to the 1920s and 30s and 40s where, um, you know, stadiums, you know, essentially you could get what you get. Uh, and then of course, over time, they've gotten more specialized, you know, an interesting story in this is with Petco Park, you know, it first started, obviously beautiful ballpark, but I think it's actually gotten better with age in that. Uh, now they sort of have all the local foods in there, the local drinks, the local beers, the breweries, all that sort of thing. Uh, and they're building around it. So now you've got, you know, additional housing, you've got additional restaurants, you know, that area of you know, back in 2004 in downtown San Diego was not a great area to live. I think it's, uh, it has changed. Um, and of course, for the longest time, I've always uh, sort of wondered and wanted to see uh, even Dodger stadium be downtown. And uh, I think that'd be great for the subway connections. It'd be better for uh, the sort of the bars and restaurants. Of course, going to be a lot of Dodger fans are not going to be happy with that because Dodger stadium is an iconic place. But, um, you know, I think an Ebbets Field looking stadium or some sort of, um, you know, sort of retro stadium in the middle of a downtown area. uh, To me, it just speaks volumes. Uh, And of course, it would help some with the traffic problem because, you had all the trains going there. Whereas now at Dodger Stadium, you can pretty much get there uh, by bus or by car or by Uber. Uh, But there's no uh, other public transportation beyond that. There's no you're really not going to walk there you know your sense you have to cross over either the 110 freeway or uh somehow to get in there through the five freeway from the other direction or potentially even i guess you could say um the 101 if you're taking some back streets you're taking sunset boulevard but that's sort of where we're where we sort of come from and where it's at today and obviously dodger stadium has been developed but um I think the pandemic really helped or expedited the clock on uh, professional sports teams and, and colleges looking to focus inward on real estate development. Uh, because what they realized is that, look, you, know, you want people at the stadium for longer. You want them to get there early. You want them to be on time for the game. You want them spending money, really. You want them enjoying the environment. And what better way to do that than to build areas around the stadium that allow folks to do that versus let's just go to the stadium, park in the parking lot and then leave. And Dodger Stadium, I think, has done that with the space that they have, and uh, obviously other stadiums have done that in more of the downtown setting, or if they're building a new city, if you will, outside of a downtown area. Uh, you know, looking at like the Atlanta Braves or what have you, and of course, if you look at SoFi Stadium in LA with the uh, Chargers and the Rams or the NFL, or even uh, Intuit uh, Arena, which is going to be the Clippers' new uh, arena, those are actually in Inglewood. So not in the downtown area, but near the airport. Um, and then they're going to have some trains, a train that's going to go down that way uh, to allow it for get a little bit easier in. But um, obviously traffic is still going to be an issue and they'll have to figure out some of that stuff. But again, I think the pandemic really kind of focused, okay, well, how can we bring in more revenues? How can we, um, and colleges have done this as well, by the way. This is not just professional sports teams. Colleges have definitely looked to real estate development for training facilities and for building beautiful stadiums to put fans in seats because fans are going to be intrigued by that. So I think owning and controlling more land and facilities related to athletic performance and safety and sustainability and games, entertainment, these are all, um, you know, very important uh, things for teams, uh, whether it be professional or college athletic departments to look at. So I think investing team revenue and financing through, you know, we've seen public private partnerships, or even, you know, nowadays with players being, um, being paid, uh, so well, um, you know, you even have player investor, uh, ownership stakes. So one example of this is quarterback Russell Wilson, Seattle Sounders. Uh, he, um, has invested into a billion dollars training facility there. And, uh, he's one of a few different investors and, um, and of course, you know, he's the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, but, uh, you know, again, getting involved in his community. Um, And then also, you know, from a business sense, this is is really good for him. But it's a $1 billion training facility for the Seattle Sounders, which is the Major League Soccer team up there. Uh, But they're also looking at building housing and office space development. So similar to, let's say, the SoFi development. And then when you have baseball stars like Juan Soto, um, who will be a free agent, I believe it's either after this year or the next year, be looking to make you know he might be the first 500 million dollar player uh in terms of baseball now of course in baseball that money is guaranteed whereas in the nfl the money is not guaranteed a lot of that has to do with the injury history the fact that players you know generally you know your average nfl career is about three and a half years whereas in baseball you know baseball stars can play till um you know they're in their 40s uh, obviously declining in performance but uh it's just the nature of the, the, the players' unions as well. Uh, baseball Players Union is one of the strongest, uh, I would say, uh, unions in the world, uh, definitely amongst um, the five professional sports, major professional sports leagues. So, um, but Patrick Mahomes, obviously, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, NFL quarterback is um, already the highest paid athlete in America, assuming he reaches all of his incentives. Uh, and that deal, I think, is 504 million if all the incentives are reached. So, and then of course you look over to the uh, Big Ten Conference. Um, you know, Penn State, um, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, um, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, it's it's one of the bigger conferences in college football. Their uh, current television contract is coming up for um, expiration. And so they're going to be looking to renegotiate that uh, or negotiate the new deal with uh, some different um, networks and streamers, if you will. And they're looking to get about $1.1 billion per year on their next uh, rights buyout. Now, of course, I want to say it was a few years back, I think the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, uh, received, I think, a whopping I think $3 billion contract. And uh so again, I think the Big Ten conference is gonna be in a, a specific situation where as that money is paid out to the different, I think there's twelve twelve or fourteen teams in the Big Ten now. Uh, I think it's I think it's I think it's 14, but I might be off. It's definitely at least twelve. But I think what's gonna happen with the Big Ten conference, with that money being paid out to the individual schools, you know, um, in the sort of uh at least $100 million, $500 million range. Um, You know, I I think that's potentially uh, used for development for real estate, used for development for um, expanding any sort of entertainment opportunities when they're talking about, um, you know, having sort of this on-site area where people can come and hang out and enjoy the game and really spend a day there, if you will, or spend a weekend there. And then, of course, the Oakland Athletics are – seemingly the closest they've ever been to developing a new stadium and getting out of the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, there's a, a, the, the Howard terminal development that's happening there. Uh, it's a multi-billion dollar um, opportunity that I think just passed city council up there. But of course, city of Las Vegas is eyeing the potential move of uh, of the iconic franchise from the Bay of the desert as well. Uh, and following the Raiders. And then of course um the sort of stadium that takes the proverbial cake, if you will, is SoFi Stadium. And we've written on this topic before talking about, you know, it, it's, it's a well over a $5 billion development and stadium. Anybody who's been there can see how beautiful it is. And they just obviously hosted the Super Bowl uh, and the Rams won with, um, you know, being the, uh, the home team, if you will. And only the second time that's happened. Uh, Tom Brady did it for the first time last year when the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, in the Super Bowl and they hosted at their home, their home stadium. So, uh, with that, let's take a quick, uh, commercial break and, uh, we will be right back. Nord VPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's Nord VPN to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you will never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at just under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, NordVPN. Tons of people talk about multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also the lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup every day. That's it. Eight ounces of water. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, folks, we are back. Thank you again to our show sponsors, but Online, NordVPN, and Athletic Greens. So we are talking about the sort of booming real estate market in uh, in professional sports and in college sports we've talked about a few examples with the Seattle Sounders we've talked about uh, player investments going into some of these developments we've talked about the Big Ten conference looking to cash in on some of its uh, television rights and streaming rights and we've talked about a few different teams that are um, are building out and looking at some significant opportunities uh, for growth so and then we've also touched on this idea that, um, how success is tied to stadium development and how there's been some studies done on that. Now, of course, look, at the end of the day, you can have an old stadium and still be a successful team, but that's where the whole personnel thing comes in. And of course, if you can have all four, if you can have the great venue, great lease or ownership outright, you can have the great personnel and the great market. If you can have all of those wonderful, Um, and, you know, any mix of those is going to be good, but, um, you know, again, we've have, we have some specific examples of this, you know, if you look over at the Intuit Dome, which is going to be the new home of the Los Angeles Clippers moving out of the Staples Center, formerly the Staples Center, now crypto arena, uh, it's a $1.8 billion um, privately funded development. It's going to be across the street from the Chargers and Rams, uh, SoFi stadium where they play. And it's a significant opportunity, one, for the Clippers to claim their own identity uh, away from the Lakers. Um, and it really is a step in that process of sort of obtaining the four essential tenants to success in sports and success in, success in sports, meaning team wins, fan attendance and championships. Right. So I think the Clippers are really starting something there. That's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, if you look at Snapdragon Stadium. Which is uh, going to be the San Diego State uh, University Aztecs? Uh, that is replacing Qualcomm, and of course, remember this was the Qualcomm Stadium where the Chargers played, and of course, this is before they moved to Los Angeles, and there was a lot of uh, debate and controversy, if you will, around the stadium and and city's investment in that, sort of how that all played out and the Chargers leaving, but um, and of course, there's even some potential litigation there with with the whole. Um, when the Rams left St. Louis and they got sued and they sort of had a settlement. We'll see if the Chargers have. Um, there's been some talk about a similar uh, case being put forward, so we'll see how that plays out. But it is, uh, it is an interesting time uh, for stadium development, to say the least, in the Snapdragon Stadium. is going to be a whole entertainment district down there for the, for the university, and we'll sort of see um, how that develops and what happens with it. And of course, on the international side, you've got the Premier League, La Liga, Syria, and even in China, all sort of having short-term and long-term stadium development plans. And of course, the real estate market continues to play along, and sports teams continue to invest in in property, and the market you know doesn't crash. Uh, you have uh, the NFL looking at possibly hosting the Super Bowl in 2026 at uh, Tottenham in uh, United Kingdom, which is of course a Premier League team, uh, if that continues to happen, we're going to see more international stadium growth. Uh, there's even talk about teams maybe even splitting uh, you know, time between stadiums. There's talk about having an international team. We'll sort of see how that goes. And, of course, with the only issues being travel, um, but, of course, in football, when you travel once per week, it's not so much of an issue, whereas in, let's say, basketball or baseball, or hockey, it's a little bit more difficult uh, because, you know, you're basically playing either every day or every few days. And, of course, when you have the Olympics and World Cups coming up, you're going to have a ton of opportunity there for stadium development. Although, to be careful with that because uh, the Olympics, you know, World Cups are only every four years. And so stadiums are going to be used seldomly in that way. Of course, back in the States, you have the Tennessee Titans are looking at a new stadium. Uh, which they've I think they've moved away from a three year plan of sort of investing about $600 million dollars into an entertainment district surrounding Nissan Stadium. But I think Tennessee would love to host a specifically Nashville would love to host a Super Bowl in the upcoming upcoming years. And so a new stadium would 100% uh, make that more likely. Anaheim Angels are dealing with some problems uh, in California with some land grants and uh, some issues related to, Um, essentially uh, land being given and sort of making sure that uh, there's some affordable housing that is given an opportunity to be built. So the Angels have their hands full, uh, but uh, we'll see if they can get a clear pathway soon to build the entertainment district that they want to. Because currently as it is now, they have the same problem as the Dodgers do, which is the Dodgers have have invested um, some money into sort of uh, food and beverage, and uh, making the stadium easily more walkable and be able to walk around the whole stadium, at bars and restaurants, and this sort of thing. And I'm mean, Angels would like to do the same thing with their big parking lot because right now, as you pull up to it, you know, you can see if anybody's ever seen it off the freeway, it's basically a parking lot and a stadium, and you've got a few different things around it. But I think they would love to develop that and see where it goes. And of course, the Angels have direct access to a, um, a train stop. Which something Dodgers don't have, so we'll sort of see where that goes. And then, of course, with Major League Soccer adding teams in franchises in Charlotte, North Carolina, St. Louis, Missouri, and Las Vegas, Nevada, you're going to have additional stadium and entertainment district real estate uh, development in those cities. Now, from a sort of business operational standpoint, uh, having a great venue again is one of the four essential tenants to success in sports. You know, again, team wins, fan attendance and championships, uh, specifically running a successful franchise requires a great venue. Um, you know, now of course, again, great venue does not mean new, you know, you can have Fenway park, you can have Wrigley field, Dodger stadium. I mean, these are all great venues. It's just an issue of, um, you know, is it easily accessible? Is there things to do around there? That sort of thing. Uh, is it a lease? You know, is it the charger situation where you're leasing, um, you know, your time with the stadium or is it an ownership thing where let's say, you know, the ownership group, um, Stan Kroenke, who um, owns the stadium. And of course uh, the chargers are tenants in that stadium. What's the market? Is that, is it a big market? It's a small market. Uh, obviously bigger markets can have a little more opportunity. And what's the personnel from everybody, everybody from the, uh, the janitor all the way up to the president or CEO of the team, including the players. So, And then, of course, one thing to follow in all this is as states continue to add sports betting laws, uh, sports teams will continue to have an influx of cash and another reason to add entertainment aspects to, to existing or new stadiums. And, of course, coming out of the pandemic, teams are going to be looking to continue this boom, especially considering that a lot of teams lost a significant amount of money during the pandemic when you weren't allowed to have fans and stands and seasons and games were either delayed or canceled or what have you. And of course, with lacrosse and esports and women's sports on the rise, uh, we're going to ex- definitely expect to see more development, assuming the, um, the market stays hot. Of course, the next question, and I think something that we might see, is whether a name, image, and likeness revenue for college athletes begin to have college athletes investing in sports real estate. And wouldn't that be sort of interesting where you have a college athlete, let's say, you know, making a you know, multi million dollars off NIL, you know, think of category of like, you know, Heisman Trophy, you know, this like sort of this sort of level of athlete or level of athlete where they just have a, a very, um, you know, large social media following potentially investing in real estate projects. And wouldn't it be funny to see, you know, starting athlete for some team in some college uh, across the country doing you know, some real estate development to help invest back in the athletic facilities they're playing. in. it's kind of a far-fetched idea, but, you know, this is the times that we live in. And I think, uh, again, we talked a little bit about this Hollywood studios and streamers are continuing their significant land buys and development for production space here in America and, and, and abroad. And of course, um, we're going to continue to see growth. I think in this space where, Hollywood has been looking for sports unscripted content. And so, uh, and of course, sports are the, are the best thing really in, in to, to get unscripted content out of because the players themselves are characters uh, and, and, you know, have experience with, um, with the dramatic sort of uh, aspect in terms of, you know, they're playing on a field that it really is an art form in many ways. So this is not too uh, far-fetched. But we'll sort of continue to see development there in both the entertainment and uh, sports spaces. And we sort of live in a, a very fascinating time in that regard, with, with regard to the sort of uh, booming uh, real estate development. So that's it for this week, folks. But uh, appreciate you listening in. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans of the Believe in Sports Law podcast with Jeremy Evans via the Believe Podcast Network. The show has been brought to you by Bet Online. Hope that uh, you have a wonderful President's Day holiday and um, that uh, you have a wonderful week ahead. Really appreciate you listening in and we'll look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.